episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio is a platform that helps growth focused e commerce brands drive more sales with super targeted, highly relevant email, Facebook, and Instagram marketing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Laura Vanderkam. She is the author of several time management and productivity books, including one we had on the show. About a year ago, off the clock, and uh, she's got a new book. We're going to talk a little bit about Juliet's School of Possibilities, a little story about the power of priorities. So, Laura, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. And let's, I want to get this one out um, because a lot of your books have, um, I mean, productivity, time management, um, and one of them, I'm going to borrow another title um, let you answer this question. What do the most successful people do before breakfast? <laughs> Yes, well, a good question to ask, right? Um, no, I found in researching how people who are doing a lot sort of professionally and personally spent their time that many of them were using their mornings quite intentionally. Um, they recognized that this was time they could have for themselves before everybody else wanted a piece of them, both at work and at home. And so if there was something that they had aspirations to do and didn't necessarily fit in the category of work or family. This tended to be the time to do it. So that could be exercising. For a lot of people, it was certainly exercising, but it could be creative pursuits. Like, you know, you want to write that novel. Um, you can tell yourself you'll do it at the end of the day with the time that's left over, but uh, we both know that that probably will not happen. Uh, whereas if you get up a little bit earlier and, you know, commit to writing, say, 300 words a day, you'd have a draft of that novel in about a year. So um, using that morning time for, for things that matter to you is, is really what sets up the day for success. Yeah, and I know in my own personal experience, because I have somewhat of a morning routine, that if it gets knocked off, I'm I'm sort of unsteady the rest of the day. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but it uh, it I know it does impact me. Yeah, well, we all have things that that help our days, and for many people, having something that um, feels like you scored some sort of victory in the morning and 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 a meaningful victory here. I mean, you know, yes, I guess we all got out of bed, which is good. Um, but but you know, something that advances you toward your goals. Um, can can really make this day feel great. I know in listening to you, reading your books, that you have a pretty good sense that we we most of us have no idea how we actually spend our time, do we? No, um, which is which is interesting, right? Because we live life every day, uh, and yet time passes whether you think about how you're spending it or not, and so it is very easy to spend time mindlessly. Uh, and because of that, we tend to tell ourselves various stories about where the time goes. And, you know, some of them are probably true, but a great many of them also aren't. Uh, and, and so the good thing about tracking where the time really goes is that you can figure out what what's just the story and what's the actual truth. You know, there are so many there's so much great advice, so many great books, hacks, apps, whatever, uh, to, to help us manage our time. Why do we ignore them all? <laughs> well, I, I think it's the same thing of, of time continuing to, to move along. I mean, it's like the challenge we'd have with spending money well if all our money was like burned at the end of every day, right? You know, it's, it's very difficult to make use of this extremely limited resource, um, given that it's constantly going. Um, and, and so, you know, you have to kind of think about what you'd like to do with it and think about what are my intentions for this time um, to think about your time before you're actually in it. Kind of like a, you know, somebody paddling down a river, you know, pausing on the edge with their canoe and looking to see where the current's going. If you do that, you're a lot less likely to run into a rock. 
Um, but you know, it takes time. A few years ago, I, and, and it only took me about 20 years of owning my own business to get there, but, um, I stopped really trying to manage time and, and actually have gone to managing priorities and, and actually working less, um, hours and found that I'm getting just as much or more done rather than stressing about, Oh, I should add some stuff to my checklist because there's two hours left in the day. Um, how does that idea settle with, you know, kind of your thoughts about, you know, how people manage their time? Yeah, I'm a big fan of not filling time just because it's there. And in fact, many of the most successful people I've studied have a fair amount of white space on their schedule. And they do this for several reasons. I mean, one, you know, everything takes longer than you think it will. So, you know, you got to make sure you build in space to deal with that. And also because it allows them to seize opportunities that, you know, if something unexpected but very good comes up, it's, it's great to be able to follow where that leads instead of, you know, having your day already spoken for. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, I try to make very limited to-do lists that, you know, definitely not stuff that's going to fill the entire day because I know stuff will happen, you know, and if I finish everything on my list, the short list, like I'm sure I can go find some more stuff if I feel like it. <laughs> but if I uh, make a very short list of the things I know absolutely have to happen, then I know that regardless what happens, you know, if I wind up spending half the day in the ER with one of my kids, for instance, like I, I've still made progress. And I think that is the core of, of being productive that, you know, anyone can plan a perfect schedule. Like that's not very exciting. Um, the question is whether you can keep moving forward on the things that matter to you and the people you care about when life happens as life always happens. Well, and, and I think that that whole, whole idea of priority is so important too, because a lot of the, a lot of the, things their priorities are things I don't want to do. They're not fun. They're, you know, they're, they're hard work. And maybe, um, I spend a whole lot of time finding ways to not do that until, you know, it's April 14th and, you know, the taxes are due, right? Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden I've got all kinds of time to do that thing. And, and so I think, it, I think forcing yourself to do this stuff again, as you said, that's important, even if you like it or not, you know, because it, I know I, I create a lot of uh, wasted time and probably wasted stress by having that thing just sitting out there going, Oh, I'll get to it next week. Yeah. Although I would tell people to um, acknowledge that. Like if there's something you really do not want to do, you can ask yourself why that is. Uh, and, and sometimes that's offering you some insight into your life, into your skills and into things that are not your skills. Um, you know, and, and there's plenty of people who, really, really hate doing the, the paperwork associated with their taxes who might be um, better off hiring, you know, an assistant to get some of that to, to coordinate with the accountant and all, you know, so it's maybe it's something that um, you could figure out a way over time that you can spend less time on. Whereas if something is truly energizing and fun and, you know, meaningful to you, maybe there's ways you can spend more time on those things. Now you, you spend a lot of time. I mean, we're, we're sort of, I think, logically talking about work uh, here so far, but you spend a lot of time working with people and how they spend their leisure time as well. And I think, I think as, as work and leisure or whatever we call it, family time, play time, you know, s seems to be no line anymore, you know, between those. Um, how do we, how do we make sure that we are getting the most out of what we are calling leisure time? Well, I think we need to have some of the same intention for our leisure and family time that we have for our work time. 
And I, I don't mean that you need to, you know, send calendar invites for dinner and schedule every 15 minutes the way some people do at work. But just, you know, the question, like, you know, people will come home from work at six o'clock, go to bed at 10, 30, 11. That's four and a half, five hours. Like you wouldn't have a four and a half, five hour block at work and have absolutely no idea of what you intended to do with it. Uh, so, you know, just saying like, well, we're, we're going to go for a family walk after dinner or, you know, tonight is the night I'm going to read a hundred pages in that novel or you know, whatever it is, having some intention for your personal time makes it feel richer and more full. And, and so it winds up, you know, expanding in our mental space and making us feel in fact, like we have more time. Yeah. I have, and, and this, you know, sometimes is a luxury of owning your own business. I mean, I don't necessarily have people putting meetings on my calendar and things. So I've, actually over the years found that I've gotten much more intentional about playing harder. So in other words, you know, instead of saying, Oh, I'll sneak in an hour here. I mean, I'm going to go fishing for half a day um, or something, but that's, you know, I'm going to plan that. I'm going to put that in the calendar and I'm not going to, you know, think about, you know, not doing it. I'm going to be 100% in on that. And I think what that's done for me is then when I come back to work, that afternoon or the next morning, I'm much more intentional about work, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, taking leisure time, intention, being intentional about leisure time, it can really be life-changing. And, you know, part of the issue is that people are so busy with work, they think, well, I want to do nothing or I don't want to commit to anything because that's just more commitments and then I'll feel like I have less time. But that turns out not to be true. Um, having commitments that are meaningful to us and energizing to us in our leisure time makes us feel like we have more time, you know, an evening where you kind of while away the hours and scroll around online and watch TV or something is very forgettable. Whereas one where you, you know, go volunteer somewhere in an organization that you've been doing some really serious work with and you've committed to being there every Thursday night. I mean, you know, that that's more memorable. That feels more important. And so it actually stands out in this, in this wash of time. Yeah. And I think most people, maybe there are other people who don't, but I know myself, I'll, I'll throw into this category. I probably get 90% of my work done in two or three hours of a work day. I mean, 90% of the real payoff work, you know, happens in two or three hours. And I think that, that, you know, when you start and, and we can talk about time diaries in a minute, but I, I think I, we really underestimate how much time we waste um, on things that we think are busy or productive. Yeah. I mean, it's the Pareto principle, right? That uh, 80% of your good stuff happens in 20% of your time. <clears throat> that said, I mean, it, it sounds then like maybe we could only work four hours a week or whatever it is that uh, if we could only identify the important stuff. The problem is it's, it's not always quite that clear. And I know that you and I have both had, say, random conversations that we just decided to take a phone call for some reason and then it leads somewhere great, right? Or um, that we are reading something that maybe is tangential to our jobs, but it triggers this idea that that leads to something big as well. Um, so I would say that, yes, you know, a lot of our major stuff does get done in probably a short amount of time. And, you know, we've all had the experience of if you're getting ready to leave for a vacation, you are just on fire um, before you get out the door getting everything done. But on the other hand, you, you got to be careful about not um, trying to cut it too much because, because then you miss that sort of serendipity that, that leads to great things. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers. And this allows you to easily turn that information into valuable 
marketing messages. There's powerful segmentation, email autoresponders that are ready to go, great reporting. You want to learn a, bit, a little bit about the secret to building customer relationships? They've got a really fun series called Clavio's Beyond Black Friday. It's a docu-series, a lot of fun, quick lessons. Just head on over to Clavio.com Beyond BF, Beyond Black Friday. So your latest book, Juliet's School of Possibilities, is a parable style. Um, and, you know, I've always wanted to write one of those, but I just don't think I could, <laughs> I don't think I could pull the whole dialogue thing off. Um, t- so tell us a little bit about Juliet and what you were trying to accomplish in that story. Yeah, well, I've been writing about time management for a great many years. Um, and I've just noticed over this time that, and I'm giving my speeches, the parts people remember are the stories. Uh, no one, you know, ever comes up to me and says, "Oh gosh, that statistic you quoted about X—that was, you know, that was life-changing." It's, it's really more like, "Oh, when you told that story about this," and people can quote back these stories, pretty much verbatim, which is amazing. But that is how we absorb information. The human brain um, is very wired to remember stories in a certain format. That stories that teach a lesson. Uh, and so that's basically what parables are, stories that, that teach a lesson. And, you know, I love reading. Uh, I love writing. And, and so it was fun to try my hand at something a little bit different uh, that, you know, I could actually write dialogue as, as opposed to writing straight nonfiction. So, so give us the preview of Juliet's story. Then. Well, so Riley is a hotshot young consultant um, whose career has been on fire up until the moment when suddenly it isn't. <laughs> and her life begins to fall apart on various dimensions because she's having such a hard time figuring out what she should be doing with her time. Um, and her personal life is also falling apart. Uh, in the midst of all of this, her company gives her an ultimatum, kind of strong arms into going to this retreat for the weekend at a place called Juliet School of Possibilities. She thinks it's going to be a huge waste of time, but then she meets Juliet who is a successful business owner who's also just incredibly calm. She seems to have infinite amounts of time for the things that are important to her. And so in the course of the weekend, Riley tries to learn Juliet's secrets and figure out how she can put these into practice in her own life. So I just heard you speak recently at the World Domination Summit, um, which is one of my favorite conferences. And in fact, I'm, I'm trying to have many of the speakers on, so listeners will hear that line <laughs> a bit over the next few weeks. But one of the things that you said that I know I need to do and I know I'm not good enough at is, is you know, we have a tendency to sit down you know, in the morning and go, okay, what do I need to do today? Um, and, and you talked about this idea of structuring our week, and that makes so much sense because that's really probably the chunk that's going to be the measure of our productivity. You want to kind of talk about that idea? Yeah, well, we live our lives in weeks. Um, you know, I talk about how we often think of our lives in days, but we actually live our lives in weeks. A week is the unit of life as we actually live it. And so, um, you know, I think that's how we need to plan out our time because any given day is not big enough to encompass everything that you're going to need to get to. But in a week, you can probably get to most of the things that are important to you. So I suggest that people think through their weeks before they're in them. A, a really good time to do this is Friday afternoon, um, just because Friday afternoon is the time when most of us are not doing anything of any consequence whatsoever, kind of sliding into the weekend at that point. Uh, so you take a few minutes, you think about the upcoming week, 
you ask yourself, what are your top priorities both in, you know, the work sphere, your relationship sphere, so family and friends, and then the personal sphere, so things you want to do just for you. Uh, and list, you know, just a sh- short number of items, two, three in each category, and, and look at the next week and see where they can go. And if you do this consistently, you will find yourself just by default making progress toward your goals because every single week you're doing stuff that matters. Um, whereas if you don't think about this ahead of time, again, it's easy for time to just get away from you. Yeah, and I and I and I think also the other thing it does. I mean, hopefully you you say, hey, I've got these three big things I need to accomplish. Maybe you say no to a few things now because they're because they're already in your brain or already on your calendar. Yeah, well, that's the the time on Friday afternoon where you're planning the week ahead and putting your priorities is also a great time to look at what is already on your calendar and get rid of whatever does not really fit with what matters to you and what, you know, path you thought would be a good idea, but no longer does. Um, so, you know, if you can get out of it, maybe that's a good time to do so. I love this idea of time diary. I've been actually preaching it for many, many years, uh, when particularly when people, you know, are talking about just not being able to accomplish anything. I, and I get a collective, oh, I don't have time to do that, or I don't want to do that. And um, how have you been successful at getting people to track, even for like a week, their time? Well, I mean, my promise is that it will be useful um, and, and useful in a way of not say, oh, well, look, we, we discovered that you said you're so busy and you watch TV for X number of hours. Like, it's not about that. Um, I really don't care for the game of, of gotcha on these things. It's more that pretty much everyone who does this finds some quantity of time that they're spending in ways they don't care about so much that they can use for things that they do care about. And I say this about people who are just extraordinarily busy, have so much going on in their lives. There's always still some quantity of space. And, you know, it doesn't have to be much. I mean, for many people, if they were able to find just, you know, a couple hours per week to do things that they were very excited about, this this would change their whole experience of, of time. Um, so, so that's why I suggest people do it. I also, you know, make sure people know that it's, it's not about recording every single minute perfectly. Like, it's good enough is good enough. I check in three to four times a day, write down what I've done since the last time I checked in. Don't, you know, belabor it. If, if you did, you know, mostly work and you also went to the bathroom and got a glass of water, like, work is fine. <laughs> you don't have to, you know, account, like, blow by blow on everything. But, uh, you know, you do it for a couple of days, that's good. If you can do it for a week, that's even better you'll get enough information that I think you'll find it worthwhile. Well, and I, I work with a lot of business owners and they spend time doing a lot of things they should delegate. They could delegate that would be much more profitable if they delegated. And sometimes uh, it, you know, what I actually do is have them assign a dollar value to, you know, what was that worth or what, you know, what, what could you have gotten somebody else to do that for some, you know, some metric. Um, and that can be pretty eye opening when, when they look at, you know, how much of their time is, is doing work well below what they need to make in their business. Yeah. No, I mean, when, when you realize something's not a good use of your time, you have a couple of choices. I mean, one is you can just stop doing it, which is an option that, you know, people really should look into more than they actually do. Um, you know, you can see if there's a way it can take, take less time, which is, of course, what most time management literature deals with, like how to make things, you know, more streamlined, more efficient, turn, you know, your your 60-minute meeting into a 45-minute one. And, and that has its purpose, of course. But, you know, that's another option. And then, of course, you can get someone else to do it, um, which is really the way that 
we leverage our time and you know do things that we couldn't do on our own. And I, and I find that people often resist this idea. But, you know, if you're looking at like the CEO of a major corporation, you're not sitting there saying like, oh, gosh, the, the CEO of Pepsi is failing because she's not doing it all by herself. I mean, and no, of course not. <laughs> and it's the same thing, you know, even if your business is smaller, but it's also the same thing on the home front, too, you know, that we can get help from various places and, and leverage our time that way. Yeah, that's an interesting concept, though, because a lot of people have a, a real you know guilt kind of factor of that they have a lot of times they can delegate at work but i'm not gonna have somebody mow my lawn i mean i could do that and that's you know that's lame you know but that you know that that could be a way to actually free up time couldn't it in in the domestic front yeah for doing things that are a higher value of your time and i've seen some you know interesting people claim like oh well you know i should call my elderly relatives around more you know whatever it is but you know, I'm so busy. I just never have the time. It's, well, you know, maybe there are things you're doing. Okay, it's possible that you don't want to do it. That's fine. <laughs> but, but if it is truly a value of yours, then maybe you can get some of this other stuff off the plate. I and mean, maybe you order your groceries online, set up a recurring order that shows up every week. You don't have to go to the grocery store. Instead of going to the grocery store, you call your grandmother. Right? You know, these are these are things you can do um, to free up time for the things that are the best use of your time. So, Laura, where can people find out more information on you and your books and all of the work that you're doing? Well, people can come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. Um, you know, if you are listening to this podcast and are all caught up in episodes for this and you're looking for something else to listen to, I have an every weekday morning short productivity tip podcast called Before Breakfast. Um, so every weekday morning, like five to ten minutes, I give you a little tip that will hopefully help you take your day from great to awesome. So people might enjoy listening to that. Awesome. Well, we'll have those uh, links in the show notes as well. And Laura, I appreciate you stopping by. It was great seeing you in Portland and uh, hopefully I'll run into you soon out there on the road. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> 